God today? You ready to lift him up? Praise him? Praise 
Praise God. What a great song to sing and to express our appreciation for a wonderful Savior who loved us so much, gave his life, has risen from the dead, glorious. Let's give the Lord a clap and a praise and thank you team. What a great ministry to us this morning. We love you guys. Fantastic. Look, before you take your seats, I just want to welcome those of you, thanks Brownie, those of you that have joined us online, we welcome you this morning. We trust that you have a great morning, as I believe we are going to have here in the house. It's beautiful to see the family of God here this morning. Before you take your seats, why don't you just nudge somebody and say, hey, you're looking great this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fantastic. Okay. It's good to see you all happy and ready to greet each other. That's fantastic. I want to just thank Pastors Gail and Ed for the opportunity to share with you this morning. It's a topic that I've enjoyed thoroughly. Faith formation. This is part five in the series that we have been sharing but the previous four have just been excellent. I've enjoyed the ministry. It's given me an opportunity now to launch into a greater depth as I've prepared uh, on the sermon that I want to share with you this morning. And it's from Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it just as much as I have. My name is Brian Clothier. And I'm just so excited to share this word with you this morning. And as I said, it's taken, uh, our series will continue on from Hebrews 11. These men and women, I believe in Hebrews 11, were elite. Uh, they were just uh, the epitome of God's plan for us. They are mentors that we learn from every day as we come around the word and have a look at the word. They inspire us. Um, they became uh, great faith teachers for me. And I understand and know as a pastor myself and I've been serving God for many years now, I have come to the appreciation of the importance of understanding what it's about living in faith. You know, quite often we, as believers, we have the answers to a lot of things, and we look at other people and we say, well, maybe you don't have enough faith. That's why you were in an accident, or I avoided that because I have more faith. We tend to look at others based upon our knowledge, and we, we seem to forget that we are, in many ways, mere mortals. We don't have the ability to change things as Jesus did, unless we have faith in God and we trust in him and he enables us through his power and through the Holy Spirit to do things that will bring glory to his name. So when we are judging others on our performance and on the way we operate and suggest that I am better than you because I am a Christian, I don't believe it's going to last very long because someday something is going to happen to you as a mortal. 
And then what are you going to do when you're in an accident or when you get sick and you find out that, hey, things are not going as smoothingly as I hoped it would have gone? There's a big egg in your face scenario <laughs> because of that attitude. And I am trusting this morning that you will see that the purposes of God for us to walk in faith, he's given us the power of choice to choose who we're going to walk with and who we're going to trust in and who we're going to believe in when it comes to us meeting with each other. I have this morning's prayer meeting was awesome. We had a great time praying for the church, praying for the message, praying for, you know, for our environment, uh, the areas in which we find ourselves involved with. And it was about the church this morning that God will pour out his blessing and his favor upon us. And I was inspired by the atmosphere in the place. There was an atmosphere of expectation. There was an atmosphere of purpose that God is going to do something. And that through the word this morning, he's going to anoint us and refresh us. And we're going to be fulfilled because we are expecting God. And we believe that God is more than able. Yeah, he is more than able. And I have faith to believe that these heroes of faith are the ones that enable us. I've got three points that I want to share with you this morning regarding these people of faith. And the first one, the question that I have this morning is how do we live by faith? The first point I want to make is you will have friends in life. They're contemporary mentors. I have a lot of friends in life. I uh, am a painter by trade now, and I meet people in that trade and clients and people I get to know and who I communicate with. I like playing golf on a Saturday morning. I don't know why, because it's a frustrating game. <laughs> but I enjoy the company. I've got friends there. And they're from different walks of life. One owns a postman thing, another's a carpenter. One used to be the, uh, the president of the four, the plus four caravans. Is that what they call it? Not plus four. Big four. Big four. Yeah, he was the president. He's now retired, drives around in a nice Lexus and all that sort of stuff. So I, I got to know a few people. But you know what, I still have to make a choice as to whether or not I'm going to spend time with them, uh, you know, where I can glean from them stuff that is good for me. I thank God that he's given us the ability to choose. I thank God that he's not taken that away from me. I thank God that I was able to choose him as my Lord and Savior. It's something that we've all got to do. So there's a power in the choices that we make. And so we have contemporary mentors. The scripture says in Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it says, he, he, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. In Hebrews chapter 11, I just want to read a couple of verses from there. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 and 6. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version. It might be slightly different to what is on the screen. It says here, Now faith is the assurance, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. 
For by it, the men of old obtained good testimony. And, with, and verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek in him. So we're looking at these points here, contemporary mentors, mentors, the people that we will mix with. Scripture, as I read earlier, says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. In other words, we will become like those with whom we walk. They will have an influence on us. That is why it says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How much time are we spending with those around about us? We're talking about faith this morning, folks. Am I going to get any faith out of those that lead me down the wrong track? Where I get myself into all sorts of difficulties and challenges. That's not what faith is all about. As we read through the word, we come to the conclusion that God is the true answer to our life today. The, uh, the, the world in which we live is full of difficult challenges. And unless we can establish our feet into the things of God and stand firm in the promises of God, we're going to have a lot of difficulty moving on in the area of faith. So even though we get good morals or good habits deposited into our lives, if we're going to keep hanging around with a bad culture, it's going to affect us adversely. Proverbs 22 and verse 24 to 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and you set a snare for your souls. It will trip us up when we least expect it because we are, we, we are as humans given to anger. So if we hang around with people like that, the end result is going to be that we are angry men and women. The choices that we make today and the choices of those who will mentor us will be critical. That's why when we are hanging around with some people and we realize that they are kind of leading us in a way that is not best for our futures, it's not the best of God in our lives, we should be kind, yes, but we should also drop them because, folks, this is the bottom line. We only have one life to live. And we are committed to seeing God's best come out of this life. I admire and appreciate the passion that Pastor Ed has to see men and women give their lives to Jesus Christ. His evangelistic spirit and his desire to see generations change and become men and women of God is very admirable. And, and I believe that we as, uh, uh, as his sheep need to embrace that whole uh, uh, desire to want to see men and women come to Jesus because that's what he died on the cross for. He died so that I might live. And the life which we now live ought to be in Christ Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how good I am. But it's about who Jesus Christ is in me. There are many challenges to face in life. Talking about people who will be my mentors. I mean, I, may, I give quotes on different jobs and 
More often than not, I get them right. In my, you know, it, it's, it works okay for me. But this one time, just not so long ago, just recently, I quoted a job, I mean, I was way out of line. The job ended up costing more than double what I quoted. And so now I've got a challenge here. How do I handle this? What am I to do about this? But I just thought to myself, Lord, I'm gonna be as professional as I can. I'll do my best, make sure the job goes well, make sure it looks great, and just trust in you. So a couple of days before the job was finished, I had a chat with the builder, and I said, well, this is what's happened. I was aware that the owner of the property was very happy with the job. It had gone very, very well. And I just said, Lord, you know, you've got to help me in this. I spoke to the builder. I actually came up, I had two uh, totals in the end. I said, well, the, to this total A is at X number of dollars per hour. And because I made this stuff up with this job, I've decided that I'll drop $5 an hour off. And this is, he says, why do you want to do that? He says, Brian, look, I'm very, very happy with the job you've done. I'd be happy to pay you the, uh, the initial the price. Yeah. Every penny of it, I said, no, you won't. I, I can't do that. I said, I've got to accept some responsibility. Take $5 an hour off, and let's do the B one. He says, well, whatever you want. But you know what I'm saying is, that it didn't cause me to jump up and down and blame everybody else and say, you know, I'm, yeah, there were extenuating, extenuating circumstances that I hadn't foreseen and all that sort of stuff, but I had to take some responsibility. But I had faith to believe that God's going to take care of me. Yeah. Folks, we are talking about a way of life here, yeah. and we need to be inspired by godly men and women as our mentors. And I, this is why I love this family, because... I know that you pray for us. I know that we pray for our family as a church. Our dinner parties are just absolutely amazing. I mean, the food is very amazing, yes. <laughs> but there's always a prayer time, and we pray and ask God to bless and undertake and cater for and care for others that are there with us. So we have these contemporary mentors that, um, that uh, uh, we can associate ourselves with. And then there's also historical mentors. Historical mentors are those who are not alive today. These are they who have died, but can still teach us through their books and through other literary means of communication. Many missionaries such as David, Wolf, uh, David uh, Livingston, Hudson Taylor, they have served as meaningful mentors. We can learn from people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. by reading or listening to recordings of some of his speeches. A favorite mentor of mine, though, is a lady named Mother Teresa. She is no longer alive, but she is an extraordinary example of empathy and compassion towards those who are least fortunate. She has helped to develop a global compassion for those people in impoverished third world countries. Historical mentors, we can read about them. They can help us 
If we are able to recognize the lessons that they shared, they will expand our heart. And so never neglect historical mentors. But the most important of all the mentors I want to share with you this morning is the third one, biblical mentors. You see, God has handpicked all the elite of the ages, and he put them in his library. And I like to think of Hebrews 11 as a type of library of great biblical mentors in our life. This library is filled with men and women and unedited accounts of the challenges that they went through in life and over 2,000 to 4,000 years have passed, yet we still speak, they still speak through the chronicles of their lives, which include their sorrows, it includes their failures, as well as their joys and triumphs. They all teach us, as was the case of Cain and Abel, the first murder in the Bible. It says in Hebrews 11 and verses 4, by faith, Abel ordered, or offered rather to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And through it, he being dead, still speaks to us today. If we understand that God has given us biblical mentors to teach us, God will tell us everything that we need to know through them. It'll tell us about the type of husband that we want to be, the wife that we want to be, the employer that we want to be, the life that we want to live. Everything will be found in God's Word because they teach us through His Word. How often we, have we sat down with David and listened to his songs and read his psalms? And how often have we listened to him speak about courage and fear and leadership? Teach us about servanthood. We have walked through the desert with Moses and watched him as he worked with the grumblers, the nation of Israel. How many times have we sat, Sam, sat with Samson and said, Samson, how could you be so dumb with this woman? We have sat with them and have gained insight and instructions from these mentors because though they are dead, they still speak. God has given them to us all in Scripture to act as mentors or instructors for you. And for me, Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. Faith is the assurance of things that we have hoped we are we hope for. God is going to give us these promises, and He's going to say, This is your hope. Your hope is that my best, that God's best will take place in my life. And these are the choices that we've got to make. Am I in my uh, uh, worldly way? And often we do that. I'd rather, you know what the song in hell I think is right now, I did it my way. 
I think. I did it my way. You know, what God is saying is that his way is the best way, not my way. If you do it my way, the promises are numerous in God's word that he will grant you favor. He will bless you. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. And that's who God is for us. I want to make another point here this morning. And that is fill your life with faith and hope. Fill your life with faith and hope. It says there in 11, 1 and 2, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gain approval. How deeply do you desire God's best for your future? You and I have got to make a choice on that because not everybody wants God's best for their lives. I think we mere mortals often want to do it our way rather than what God says. I know I've got one life to live and I want God's best to take place in my marriage. I don't want anything less than that but God's best in my relationships. I don't want a mediocre relationship. I must keep choosing God's best. I am convinced. I am assured that I want God's best in my life. The life that I, and I'm, I'm still learning and I'm developing in my walk with God as every one of us are here this morning. We are going from strength to strength. He has taken us from glory to glory. We are being changed from glory to glory. We are becoming better because that's what God wants for us. But we need to choose him and say, hey, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. We have to make that as a choice that we want God's best. It is not my best, but his. Not what I have, not what I have said being the best way, but what God teaches me through his word. The people of Israel, they wanted to go their own way. Even though they saw the miracles of God, they still did not want God's way. They wanted their way. God, you just help us to get what we want rather than trusting in God's provision. It says there in Ezekiel 18 and verse 25, Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, o Israel, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair? And your ways which are not fair? This is what the word of God is saying. Is it not my way that is fair and your ways that is unfair? Think about that. Yeah, God gives us the ability to choose. But often in our choice, it's about what I want, what we want, how we would like it to be, how we'd want it to turn out. But God has his own way. How often do we find that God answers us, but not in the way that we wanted it to be. When we move further on down the track and we think back on things and we see how God's hand worked at that point in time to bring us to a point further down the track where things have worked out the way they, ha they should have worked out, uh, had we responded earlier to God and trusted in him, 
It might have happened even earlier, but we can see that God has had his hand upon this whole process. And we got to the answer eventually. It happens often. Fill your life with faith and hope. Don't give up. The Israelites were saying God's way is not the best. Our way is better. Hope is being convinced that God's way is the best. Faith is being convinced that God's way is the best. And we are going to trust in him. We want the best for our marriage. So we will do it God's way. We want the best in our dating relationships. So we will do it God's way. Our flesh hates it because we want to do it our way, another way. Folks, until we are convinced that God's way is the only way, we will continue to be challenged and have struggles in life. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What is your hope in life? And do you have the faith in God to see that come to pass in your life? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's standing on the authority of God's word. We need to settle on that. We are no longer doubtful about that. Faith and trusting in God is going to bring the answers that we need in life. We are to fill our lives with hope. God's way is best and we're going to do it God's way. Even though we don't see the outcome yet, we will and uh, believe and trust in God because we're going to make our choices in the way that God wants for us to make them. We know that that God's way is the best. So we are going to make these choices today that cooperate with that. So what is faith? What is faith? Faith is when we have options and we can choose either way. And we cooperate with what God is saying is best. We know that we have not arrived at the best of our lives yet. But we know that God's way is the best way and we are making choices towards that. It says in Hebrews 11:6, but without, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. My stance today is that I'm going to make decisions or choices of faith every day in my life that cooperate with what I know is the best, which is God's way. With those choices, there comes a confidence and an assurance in my life. And I have a level, a level of confidence and assurance that nothing can shake from my trust and my faith in God. We will be filled with hope because we know the decisions we are making are cooperating with the principles of God. And so how can we go wrong? Because God's promises to us that he will honor us if we stand faithfully with him. It says in Luke 7 and verse 30, it says, But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized by him. They rejected God's purposes. They said, My purpose is better, not God's. 
What happened is that they missed a hope that gave them hope in this life for today. Hope beyond the grave. They completely forfeited that by wanting to do it their way. And that's the end result of all today who want to do it my way. We're forfeiting heaven. We are giving up on the promises of God and we find ourselves in a greater challenge in life as we walk this path that we think should be done my way. We are making choices to cooperate with God. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. My choice is to cooperate and I believe that all, many if not all of you, have made that choice as well. And you know the men of old that trusted in God, they gained God's approval. All those Hebrews 11 uh, names that are mentioned in the word of God there all gained approval that God placed them in his library and for us to learn from today. He says, I will give you the edge that you will have a hope beyond the season of promise, of problems. If you have faith, you will be immune. You, you see, some of the problems that we have today bring about a lot of challenges in our lives is because of our lack of faith. We can have great faith and still have problems, but because, because God never ever said, if you have faith, you'll be immune from suffering. Neither did he say, if you will be a man or a woman of faith, you will be immune from pain or immune from problems. But he did say to us that I, I will give you the edge so that you will have hope beyond the season of challenges and of problems. Let me give you a tip on how to move through problems more quickly. In every problem, we are going to have recognition of the negative side of the problem. Somebody messed up. Someone is doing something wrong. Someone is not exhibiting good leadership. Somebody has major problems. That's the negative side of the problem. Then we have the resolution side of the problem where we recognize it. What are we going to do? And how are we going to resolve this problem? We are always going to have both sides of a problem. Faith is moving as quickly as we can once we recognize the problem to the resolution side of this problem. We can camp on either side. It is our choice. Are we looking at the problems all the time? Or are we looking at ways through God's word how to overcome this challenge and this problem? If we stay on the recognition side of the problem, no miracles can happen there. There will only be discouragement and depression and more discussions. But as soon as we move from the side of resolution, we begin to get some creativity and, and move to improve this. This is a side where miracles will happen, where deliverance will take place, where there is creativity, where there is innovation and healing and wholeness. It all happens on the side of equation, of the equation. But sometimes we like to camp out on the recognition side 
because it gives us a power over the people. It's like we are better than them because we recognize their problems. We're happy to let them know what it is. We like that. But if we stay too long on that side, we will never see the miracles or deliverance or healing or wholeness. We will feel good because, you know, we can condescend on everybody else. But after a while, that problem will find its way into us and it's going to camp inside of us. You know, faith is as soon as we recognize that we have a problem, we need to move as quickly as we can from the recognition to the resolution side. We will see the hand of God working in mighty ways if we just trust in Him and move to the resolution side. If we have faith, it says in John 16 and verses 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How good is that? Be of good cheer. You know, we can move quickly from the negative side of the problem to the resolution side. We just need to make the right choice. God's promises to heal. That's his responsibility. And God's not going to step back on that. He challenges us. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah, it means that we will be angry, but not necessarily sinning. In other words, we are human. And we have that emotional pull on us when there is a problem. But put a timeline on it, folks, so that we can change from the recognition to the resolution side. We can see God's miracle starting to work. The innovation, the creativity that we will have, the, the ability to forgive is a powerful thing. I got a phone call from my daughter last night, and she was quite distressed. And she just shared some things with me, and it was difficult. But the main thing that she had in her mind was what I, my response to it all was going to be. So I had a, a choice to make right there and then. I could either ridicule her for what she's done or for what's happened in her life, or I could put my arm around her and say, you know what, the fact that you came and you shared that with me, makes a big difference. It's the beginning of your healing. You walk in God's favor. You know, the, her main concern was that I would be disappointed because she knows both Pearl and I, our walk with God and who we are. And so there's that, that respect that she showed me. She said, this was the hardest thing I had to do, Dad, to come and tell you. So it just made me think that if I wasn't there to listen, if I was somebody that didn't give her the time of day, where, I mean, the possibilities of disaster could have been great. She's made promises. I've encouraged her to go down a certain way, a certain track to see her recover. I believe she will because she's a very intelligent girl. She's a, a registered nurse. and. She understands the challenges that life is all about. She sees that in the patients and things like that. So she'll have an understanding of that. But I feel strongly about standing firm to be that beacon, that light, 
that people can turn to because you present yourself as somebody who loves God and cares about what he thinks of me. So I don't want to do it my way, but I want to learn from the heroes of faith that there is a way that we can do this and the outcome is only going to be blessing and favor because that's who God is and that's what he wants for us. He promises to heal. That's his responsibility. Choice is a powerful gift that God's given to all of us. It is a choice to say that I want God's best in my life. I have settled that and I am not going to go any other way. That's just the way it is. I want God's best in my life. I want to try and land this plane. Um, I want to talk about steward, about stewarding or steward the gift of choice wisely. We have a choice when we know what God's best is for our lives. Are we going to settle for less than that or are we going to say, no, I'm going to make decisions or choices that continually contend for that. Even though I don't get it right now, I'm going to make these choices today because choice is what faith is all about. What I want to do is take faith off the shelf, way up there, and bring it down to an everyday trust. So there's a faith growing uh, situation here, faith formation, faith forming in our lives daily so that we can grow stronger and stronger every day. God says faith isn't something way out in space. Faith is an everyday trust, making choices towards God is best. You do that uh, consistently and there comes into your life a great assurance. Know exactly the choices being made and afterwards you steward this gift will bring great blessing into your life. Choices of obedience equals loving God. Choices of obedience equals loving God. John 14 and verse 21 says this. Those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and I will reveal myself to each one of them. How powerful is that? God promises that he will reveal himself to us, that he would love us. The American Standard Bible says it this way. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. God is saying that when I choose to obey God, he writes it down in his definition as love. I don't have to obey him, but I choose to obey him. When we become believers, choice was not taken away. We can still do whatever we want. That is freedom that we have. We can still do whatever we want. However, when we are believers, I do believe that as we grow in faith 
and in character and we learn the ways of Christ that whatever we would want to do is what God says we must do. There's no question about it. There's no other way around it. What the word of God says is our direction. You know, I remember when I first became a believer, I was hanging around with some, you know, some nasty people. Well, they were nice. They were my mates then. But the choices that I made hanging around with them was not a very pleasant one. It even into my marriage, first few years, it was quite a challenging time because I did a lot of stuff. I loved singing, partying, drinking was all a part of that life. But it wasn't getting me anywhere. My head was filled with what I can do and, and how good this would be. And we would be welcome to different parties because I used to sing. My mate and I, Sam Cook, number two he was. And we used to do a lot of singing together. And, and they used to invite us. People would invite us to their parties to come and sing. And I just thought that was the life. But in the meantime at home, there was pain and anguish and tears. There were arguments. There were challenges. But I thank God that he gave me another chance. I thank God that he gave me a woman that was willing to give me another chance. And we put things together. And today we have two of our own children who between them have 11 children. And we have four great-grandchildren. My quiver is loaded, man. <laughs> There's not a month goes by when we have somebody to wish and, you know, spend money on. <laughs> But I thank God for that. Folks, honestly, if I can just, you know, be as real as I can, my life would be a mess if it wasn't for Jesus. I would not be married today. I don't even know that I would be alive today. And that is the truth of the matter. When I look back on the way I lived life, and when I look back on the way I lived life, yes, I've had my challenges, I've had my difficulties, but God has made a way for us to get through. And I wonder if here this morning, you are having difficulties in life, challenges in life, and you are finding that, hey, life is just too hard a struggle. I wonder if the team could come up. God is a way for you right now, and I believe that God's speaking to you right now. This might be a word for somebody out there, that you're not at the dead end. There's no dead end when it comes to seeking God. That you're not at the end of a precipice where you find that there's no way through. You might think that in your heart, you might feel that life is so difficult, so challenging. But I'm telling you right now that God says there is a way. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Let's put our trust in him. Let's reach out to him and say, Lord, I just need you in my life right now. My faith is way up on top of that shelf. I cannot barely reach it to bring it down for me to live a daily life. God will make a way for you in the simplest of ways that will inspire and trigger this fire in your heart again. Maybe you out there that you are listening to this message and watching it in your lounge room. Maybe 
you right now are thinking, well, God, I need you in my life right now. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and you feel that I, I need him in my life so that I can establish a walk in my life today that's going to bring me victory rather than pain and anguish. And you need Jesus Christ in your heart. I ask that in your lounge room, just put your hand on your heart. And I want to pray for you. And I want to believe with you that God's going to touch you right now. There is no uh, barrier between you and God if you just open your heart to him and say, yes, Lord, I want you in my life. Why don't you just say this prayer with me quickly? Father, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I want you to live in me so that I can live out of you rather than out of myself. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer this morning, we want to rejoice with you and welcome you into the family of God. And I pray that you'll find a church uh, nearby where you are and start serving God. So God bless you and thank you. Praise the Lord.